0: Hey, everyone. This is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you enjoy the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue to get the guests on and improve our podcast, we need support from listeners like you. That financial support helps us continue to do the podcast and get guests on that we normally would not be able to get on the show. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Dot ferguson f-e-r-g-u-s-o-n and the number three after and click on the support button. There will be options there for you to make a monthly contribution. With your contribution, we can continue to conduct the podcast and ask more well-known wrestlers from the past and present that require financial compensation to be on the podcast. Again, please go to anchor.fm forward slash brian b-r-i-a-n dot ferguson f-e-r-g-u S-O-N, and the number three and click on the support button. Thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for your support. welcome to another edition of bumps and thumps the talk of wrestling i'm your host brian ferguson my guest today is one of the trailblazers of wrestling he started in 1983 and quickly rose through the ranks he is well known for his drop kick and his finishing move the bulldog he has won the nwa central states heavyweight title nwa mid-atlantic title and the global wrestling federation television championship just to name a few ladies and gentlemen it's my honor and pleasure to welcome Mr. Sam Houston. Sam, thank you for jo- taking time out of your schedule to
1: join Bumps and Thumps. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I really enjoy doing these uh, radio shows and broadcasts and podcasts because I get to really get out there and let the fans get to know me. And they, because I want you to know. Who I am inside. You know, I've been yeah. through a lot in my career and in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, you said on there, I started wrestling in 1983. I had, mm-hmm. but I've been in the business all my life. I was born into a wrestling family, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. uh, I was on the road at two weeks old. Did you know, Brian, I changed, I went, to, I, I lived in 21 different regions of the country before I started first grade. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, my dad was a headline, you know, so every three or four months we were going to a different territory. Yeah. You know, back then those were the territory days. And you went to a place for three or four months, boom, you, you know, worked your program and then you went to the next place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that. You said 20, what'd you say? 21 regions of the country.
1: 21 different, yeah, places before uh, I started first grade. Wow.
0: I was just going to, that was going to be my first question, actually. Uh, Growing up and family life as a child, but it sounds like you had a lot of experiences in in life at an early age.
1: Oh, I did, you know. Uh, Well, my dad was the main event. He was the headliner. What was funny was, you know, my dad's, our our given name, our our family name is Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and but through wrestling and everything, your name changes, and your so does your birthday, your birthplace. <laughs> yeah. You know? So my I had to get used to. My dad was either Tiny Anderson, Tiny Smith, Jake Smith. Um, uh, gosh. oh uh, uh, uh. Well, let's see. Grizzly turned into Grizzly Smith after he beat all the bears and stuff like that. That's amazing. One night. Yeah. One night he had to wrestle, uh, in uh, Canada against Gene Kaninsky. I believe it was for the world title. And I was a, just a young little rascal. Uh-huh. And my mom told me that night that my dad's name was sky high Jones. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Was it hard to keep track with all the
0: name changes or did you just go with No, it? you know,
1: because that was dad to me, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Gosh, he was my he he was he was larger than life. Yeah. He was my superman. You know, he was a hero. Yeah. Uh and uh yeah, uh, but uh and but and the cool thing was he was my dad. You know? Yeah. You can say you know? Grizzly Smith is my dad. Yeah, my dad fights bears. What is your guy? Your dad, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Your got your dad sells vacuum cleaners. You know? <laughs> Or what have you? Oh, your dad's the postman, you know. And when I said my dad can beat your dad up, I'm in it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you could actually justify it. Yeah, when I was a little kid in in school and stuff like that, first through third or fourth grade, we went to all these different schools all the time. And oh, you know, me and my sister both we'd hook my dad in. Yeah, we got to take him on Friday to show and tell. You know. That's amazing. That is. That's... What do you do? You're, you're seven foot tall, near 400 pounds, and your kids got you in their first grade class showing you off, and, you know, you're, you... you're the show and tell project. Yeah. What
0: do you do for a living? And then you tell them I wrestle bears and everybody's probably like, oh my gosh. That's well, crazy. It's,
1: it's a lot safer than the alligator wrestling. I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: I can imagine. <laughs> so, but, Hey. Oh, yeah. go ahead. I was gonna say, um, talk about uh, how you, I mean. I know you were in the business your whole time or your whole adolescence, but you know, getting started in the wrestling business is a challenge in its own. You just, it's a lot harder than people think it is. Can you just kind of tell us how your training went and who trained you and how you really got started into it as a wrestler?
1: Okay, well, oh gosh, my story is so different than anybody else's because like i said i was on the road with my dad mm-hmm. so therefore when i you know my big thing my was when i was a little kid is walking in the ring, walking in the dressing room with my dad carrying his bags and stuff mm-hmm. and you had guys like danny hodge and killer carl cox and nelson royal well you know they're being nice to me Right. You know, I'm great. I'm the main event. I'm his kid, you know, right. they're being nice to me. And hey, let me show you this. And, you know, and they're twisting me the crap up, you know, and, <laughs> you know, making me scream and holler, but yeah. And they're probably getting off on it and everything, but they're showing me things. Right. Uh, so I grew up with all this and, and learning things at an early age. And then when I was in second grade, I went to a wrestling <laughs> camp with the high school wrestling coach at Catholic high was running one summer mm-hmm. and, uh, all the wrestlers, all the amateur wrestlers, Jim Shields, Jay Clayton, all these guys were really excited for me, you know, cause once you're an amateur wrestler, always an amateur wrestler. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they came that Saturday morning. Well, coach Murphy saw this guy, you know, he, and he recognizes all these AAU and NCAA champions and everything. So he let me start working out with the high school boys too. Okay. You know, after the camp. So that's where I actually, you know, I, I learned my wrestling skills. I've got a great amateur background. I've yeah. been a, a undefeated uh, in my, you know, through school. Oh, wow. But I never, I never stayed in one school long enough, but I never got beat, yeah. you know, <laughs> you right. Yeah. Uh, even when I was in second grade, the high school kids, they could beat me on points, but they couldn't pin me and hold me. He'd get me down. Yeah. You know?
0: Well,
1: yeah. Um, so anyway, I did that all, you know, and oh gosh, when I was uh, 14, 15 years old, started working in gas stations and uh, stuff. Uh, and that's when we pumped the gas, we changed the oil. <laughs> you know, we did all the stuff and yeah. I became somewhat of a mechanic. But I always knew my dream was wrestling. Yeah. But when I turned 17 years old, in April after, uh, when I turned 17, before I turned 18. Right before I turned 18. 17 <laughs> does come before. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Anyway, I had my tonsils taken out. I used to get a throat infection once a year, strep throat once a year. So the doctor tells me he wants to take my tonsils out. Okay. So they schedule it, and that was on April the 2nd. And that's when I uh I made the journey because I flatlined on the table. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh they they nicked my pharnix during the surgery. And when they gave me the gas, it opened it up and they, they surrounded my heart. Uh oh gosh, yeah, my dad about tore that hospital into a toothpick factory. He threw yeah. one orderly through a wall, the whole oh, it was a great story. Yeah. Uh you yeah, please read about it when the book comes out. Uh yeah. Anyway. He came and he found me, grabbed me in the recovery room because he busted, he busted through the place. Yeah. Uh, they told, they told him when I, they wheeled me out, they said, Oh, he'll be in recovery room. By, uh, you know, for about two and a half hours, yeah. four and a half hours later, my folks are getting antsy. So dad goes up and asks again. And then this time when dad went to turn around and come back and tell my mom and my sister that you know, a few more minutes, he saw the security guard walk over and start guarding the door. Uh. And my dad went over to the security guard and told him, he said, You either move or call the National Guard because you're gonna need help. <laughs> wow. He said, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Smith, I'm going to the front door. Well, dad come in there and found me, and he jerked the sheet off of me. And oh I, my head was the size of a basketball. Oh my, my gosh. I, was, I was inflated up. That <sighs> gas from the anesthesia was around my heart and lungs. Oh my goodness. So they got two heart doctors that come and told him, they said he won't make it 30 minutes. And, uh, they went and, uh, uh, signed the papers and my dad was in the operating room with us, with me. And, uh, they cut me on one side of my neck. I've got two big scars on my neck. I don't know if people notice it or not. Uh, used to be real bad, but now it just kind of like settles in with the wrinkles. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, they uh but uh they cut me when they cut made the first incision I flatlined. I had a massive heart attack and I was out for about 2 minutes and they brought me back. Well, when they brought me back, I remember being so mad because I'd gone through a journey, I'd gone through a tunnel experience. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, it, I came away and I, you know, get more in depth in, in in the feelings and everything in my mm-hmm. book or if people are talking we we can talk about it. Sure. I don't have any problems, but um, I was so mad because when they brought me back, when they resuscitated me, the pain that I was in, you know, uh, it was horrible. And but I was in a coma. I was in a coma, but could I I don't know. I've talked to other coma patients and some some it was like this, too. I could see and hear everything going on around me, you know, for two weeks while I was in intensive care, usually they only let your people in every two hours, every 20 minutes, every two hours. Right. My family lived in the room with me the whole time. They knew they'd messed up at the hospital and my family wasn't leaving. And then, uh, they, uh, come on a Friday night and the doctor told my folks, uh, they said, it doesn't look like it doesn't look good. And, I was sitting, it was kind of funny, Gabby, because I did this a lot. I was actually, I, my, I was sitting on my headboard looking down at my body, you know, and I could see and hear everything going on, but I just couldn't do anything. Wow. Anyway, I saw my mom and my sister both crying and I expected that. And then I I saw my dad, he was crying and he was praying and he, was, he kept just saying one word over and over and over again. And it was fight, fight. Right. Well, that night at midnight, I opened my eyes. Around uh-huh. midnight, I opened my eyes. I looked at my mom and I, I said, Mom, they nicked my farnix. And she said, No, you mean larnix. And I said, no, ma'am, they said farnix in the operating room. Well, my mom went and she found a a dictionary and found out that the farnix is the back of a windpipe. I didn't know what that was. I knew a larynx was your voice box. Yeah. But I never heard, you know, I heard that word in the operating room. So I told mom that. And anyway, I told my mom and dad I was tired and I was going to go to sleep. The next morning, I wake up and I'm in a private room you know, my, yeah. my family. So they moved me to a room in the middle of the night. Wow. So I'm in the room and my <laughs> folks are sitting there and they're all, you know, trying to come around with well, Saturday morning. What happens on Saturday morning? Mid-South wrestling. Comes <laughs> yeah, I was going to say pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do I do? I got the remote control. I'm king of the world. Jack. <laughs> so I put it on Mid-South Wrestling. Here comes the intro, and there's Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had uh, Mid-South Wrestling back then. Bill Watts owned it. So anyway, it comes in for the opening, and there's Boyd and Bill talking. And Bill says, ladies and gentlemen, Grizzly Smith is not with us tonight. His son, Mike, which many of you wrestling fans know, is in a life-and-death struggle not expected to live. Oh my gosh. The horror. <laughs> you know, I was yeah. like, "Huh?" And I, I turned my head slowly and look at my dad sitting there on the couch and he says to me, he says, "Son, that was filmed Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. It's Saturday now. You're yeah. okay." Yeah. I was like, uh, you know. Wow. But they kept these incisions open from from April to August the 13th. I didn't eat food that year from April, April, the second, April 1st, actually, to August the 13th. Wow. That's, that's you know, that's, so I dropped a lot of weight. Yeah. I dropped a lot of weight. I went down to 128 pounds. Well, so it took me a whole year to get my weight back up. I was a junior in high school
0: hmm. and they were
1: going to make me retake the 11th grade. So oh. I, went, I quit school and took my GED.
0: Yeah.
1: I took a year, it took me about a year to get my weight back up. And I went Mm -hmm. to my dad, I'd worked out, got stretched by George Weingroff twice. I Mm -hmm. mean, like, you know, but I stayed with him. I stayed up with him. I stayed up with him, you know, and, uh, George was a great, he taught me how to wrestle by field, but I worked out with him in the ring twice. Mm -hmm. And then my dad told me, he says, you know, I told him, I was ready to break in. He said, no, he said, I already lost you once. I'm not going to lose you again. So I was like, well, shoot. Well, I was good enough friends with Dusty and everything else. You know, I I picked up all the guys at the airport, drove them around. So I went down. Dusty said, come to Florida, be there September 13th. I showed up. I went to the office. I met Dusty. Mm -hmm. Uh, He told me he wanted me. I was Michael Sam Houston because I didn't want to wrestle under the, the Smith name yeah and it's not because i just didn't want to make it on my family on my dad's yeah you know i wanted you see what happens with that when guys try Mm -hmm. uh to to do things with their dad's name and they're not that quality you know yeah they'd have been pushed in a a different way or been given a chance without a great big shadow
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know yeah um so anyway, I, I went to work for Dusty as Michael Sam Houston, that, and that lasted for about three weeks. And then it was <laughs> Sam Houston.
0: Yeah, so. wow, that is amazing. I, that that life experience you had, I mean, especially at the age you were at when that happened seventeen years old. That's that's just, you know, I, I can't even describe it. Uh, how I how I can't even imagine what you went through. I'm glad to hear your family is very supportive and was there for you because, you know, that's that's a big part of it is your family. If you don't have a good family structure, it probably could have turned out different. So I'm just glad that that was worked out for you. So. Uh, can you uh, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. <laughs> We lost you for oh, okay. a second. I
1: didn't know what was going on. I, anyway, no, but in that period of time, what I was trying to say was uh, in 1978, my sister was kidnapped. My, oh, my, my gosh. I uh, was uh, kidnapped. We, we haven't heard anything. There's a woman that I'm, I'm, I'm looking for now up in New York and to see if that's my sister. Um, there was never a body. We were always told that the body was cremated. This, that and the other but the lady that had, that had kidnapped my sister only did eight years time and then oh the judge God. released her because they said oh uh, she must have they either produced pictures of my sister or something time dated pictures or something Yeah. so wow. we're looking into that hmm. the next year 79 our neighborhood my house was hit by a tornado oh. uh you know uh destroyed the whole uh well our whole road destroyed everything our house was the only one left standing wow Um, my dad uh two two girls passed uh in that a card rolled on top of a brick wall i tried and tried and tried to pick it up and i couldn't only room for one person to get in i got my dad in there It took him three tries, but he picked the car and the wall up off of the girls. The father was able to get the girls out, hand them to me, and I handed them to a first responder. They laid the girls in the front yard. They were still alive. They died of shock because nobody administered any, uh, uh, I guess, attention to them after. But they they passed the shock. They were the only two uh, that passed in that whole fiasco. It's a wonder more lives weren't lost. You know, and then, you know, but you go through things and this is, you know, we all want life on an even keel. I'm here to tell you because I've had one hell of a life and it hasn't been anywhere near like an even keel, yeah. but what we're, our job here on the, on earth, earth is to field, whatever comes our way and make the best of whatever situation and be thankful for everything we receive, because yeah. even though something may, may be bad, it might be preparing you for something later on.
0: Yeah. You oh, know? I, I agree. percent hundred
1: percent. hundred percent. I went and I did this uh, autograph signing up in New York the other day. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking me, well, what are you, how do you feel about the mask and this, that, and the other? I'm going to be really honest with you. I really, you know, the, we all know the mask doesn't work and this, that, and the other and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So it's all want to be in compliance or whatever, but mm-hmm. well, the, the people paid, people are paying money to come get my autograph and to meet me. I'm not going to sit there. Okay. Here's what I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe we're everybody on earth. We're standing in a, in a line. Mm -hmm. okay we don't know we don't know when our number is up but when it's up it's over yeah okay now you might lead an exciting life and and i should have been uh dead a thousand times i mean i should have yeah uh I, i i've been i've drank myself to death a couple of times yeah but you know, the, either doctors or something. I, I, I was cut out of a car. They, they pronounced me dead on the scene one time. I went 32 feet, street, uh, feet straight down. The car crumpled around me like an accordion. It took two and a half hours to cut me out. Wow. You know, they resuscitated me at the hospital. Yeah. My number wasn't up. Whenever your job is true and your number's up, your creator is going to pull that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I pray to God, I pr- I pray to Heavenly Father, Yahweh, that the people that are listening to me have mm-hmm. a personal relationship with their creator.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Have and a personal relationship with, with, with something, you know, greater than yourself.
0: Yep. Oh, I
1: you know I 100%
0: agree with you. Yeah.
1: You know, you, you know, the word, the word tells you keep all in your lamp because he's going to come like a thief in the night. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be ready all the time. And I'm yeah. going to do my best all the time. You know, uh, Brian, I, I don't, well, sometimes I share this, you know, but uh-huh. anyway, one of the best compliments I ever got one night, I was coming back from the ring in Philly, you know, uh-huh. uh, and Paul Ellering was on the stage watching my match. And he comes up to me and he goes, "Sammy," he said, you know why I love watching your matches? I was like, no. And he goes, because you always go that one step further. Wow.
0: That's a great compliment.
1: Yeah. Well, I never thought about it. I was like, okay, thank you. You know, all right. Uh, but, you know, but, and I didn't think about it until 2009 when I was in prison, you know, I could gave up on everything. I'm in yeah. a place. Now I finally went from maximum security prison to a class, a trustee camp and I'm working on the road crew, mm-hmm. uh, uh, paving roads, filling potholes, cutting trees, what putting in culverts, whatever the parish needed in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. and i'm sitting there and now inmates are gonna what just lay around you know let's no i got out there and i worked my butt off yeah and i went one step further and i found that thing inside of a person that makes you either okay you're either going to be happy with what you're doing and sitting in that little dark spot over there in the corner. or I'm going to go experience the world, conquer it. I'm going to enjoy what all the pleasures and everything. So I'm going to go one step further. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be second best. I don't have to be better than everybody else at something, but Mm -hmm. I just know I don't give it my second best. Always give it your personal best. Right. You know, if you want to be real and be true to yourself and sit in the mirror and look at yourself and go, okay, well, who am I? This, that, and the other, you got to get down deep in the grit yeah. and get honest and get real.
0: Yeah, you I know? think I think everybody, well, I know everybody hits bumps in the road in life and it's what you learn from it and what you do about it. You either overcome it and move on and try and and do better or you succumb to it and you're in a rut for whatever period
1: you let it beat you well here check this out okay you know the ruts and the bumps you know they're obstacles yeah okay all an obstacle is is an opportunity to come out shining man it's an opportunity to overcome yeah you know and and if you keep if you keep him close in your heart and you have a personal relationship you're gonna excel yeah i you I, know i believe that as well totally and i'm not trying to like force my anything on anybody you yeah. know but y'all come to talk to me That's so right. i'm gonna say what i want to say yeah exactly he's well, got you're... a problem with it uh, you know come look me up you know <laughs> you get within striking distance <laughs> you know yeah. and run your mouth you I i don't got a problem slapping somebody down
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we'll have to worry about it wait i invited you on here i want to hear your opinions that's why i invited you you know um and i appreciate you taking the time i know you're busy oh yeah yeah so but let's, let's talk about uh some of your travel experiences what was that like traveling from one car to another especially you know in the 80s the territories uh Who was your, who'd you travel with? Who'd you like to travel with? Who didn't you like to travel with? Anything like that?
1: Oh, well, you know, okay. I was blessed, you know, growing up as a kid. Like Ted DiBiase, you know, I, was, I guess about 10 years old or eight or 10 years old. He was like 16, 17, just breaking mm-hmm. in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but Danny Hodge, you know, and you got to hear the stories. I When I was a little kid, well, like once a year, Andre would come in and be my dad's tag team partner and I get to go, I just about, oh, I got some great stories on them.
0: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: oh.
0: <laughs> I bet. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, we were driving from uh, from Lafayette up to Shreveport for TV a Friday to Saturday morning, you know,
0: so Friday
1: night. But when we left Lafayette now, this was a special occasion. So my dad got me a bottle of Boone's Farm. That meant shut up and, you know, drink, pass out. <laughs> well, he got him a Magnum of Wine. Andre, he asked Andre, he goes, uh, You want some beer? And Andre goes, Yes, two. Please. <laughs> So, dad gets in the store and he goes, Two beers, a big guy like that. I'll get him a six pack. And he walks out and he gave Andre the six pack, and Andre looked at him and he goes, I meant two cases. Oh, wow. Okay, so he went and got two cases. Now, yeah. from Lafayette to Alexandria is not that far. No. It's like, you know, uh, but maybe a 100 miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in that 100 miles, My dad drank his Magnum One. Andre drank the two cases and was working on the six pack when they pulled over and got more. Oh my gosh. Now, 70 miles north of there, state troopers follow us, hits his lights. So I'm trying to tell my dad, and there was a rule when dad was talking business you don't interrupt. Yeah. So this cop's been following us for a couple of minutes. I was like, Dad? Dad says, son. How many times do I so you know to shut up? Yeah. That cop followed us for a little bit longer. And I was like, dad, he don't see him. <laughs> so finally I said, Dad. And that dad said, son, do I need to pull this car over? And that was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> um so my dad tells Andre, he goes, you know, what? he goes, boss, he goes, I didn't take a leak when we stopped a while ago. And he goes, oh, I didn't either and that goes I could check one of these signposts out and Andre goes I could piss too so they pull over I'm in the back seat and I'm watching this trooper he's already out of the car and he's writing that ticket down and it's up in Nackadish Louisiana he's writing away on that you know, on the ticket book and everything when he sees I look and he sees the doors open And he sees what's slowly coming out, because it takes a giant a little bit of time to stand up. Yeah. (laughs) When Dad Dad and Andre stood up to their full height Mm. and everything, my hand to God, y'all. The man (laughs) threw the ticket book and the pen up in the air, walked off, got back in his car and left. (laughs)
0: that's great
1: that's a great story oh shoot
0: Uh, you know but
1: but then when i started wrestling you know because i was wrestling every night stuff uh down in florida these guys today man i feel bad for them because they don't have the opportunity to be working every night stuff because you got these promoters that want to do these fly-by-night shows and not get together and start a territory, but then you can't get idiots like that to uh, agree with each other. Right. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And everybody that's got thirty two or $3,500 wants to be Vince McMahon for the night, and it don't work like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know? um, and all these guys, so all these guys are working for free on every other Saturday night. And, you know, it used to, used to be like in the first 20, 21 days, I've already worked, you know, 30 times or something. Yeah. Because uh, back then we had a schedule. But and, and that's where you learn the business on the road at night. Afterwards, you you get critiqued by greats like Johnny Weaver and Rufus Jones and mm-hmm. Jimmy Valiant, Sonny Fargo. God, man. Wahoo McDaniels. You totally but I I was so blessed. Yeah, I was in the ring every night with one of the best. Yeah,
0: yeah, you you, know? had, you had quite a career. I when I watched it, you were fantastic. I mean, I've you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Dude, dude, check this out. I opened up for the Who, twice. Oh wow! At the world's biggest party, the whole state of Texas, me, Barry Windham, Duggan, Savage, we were all on there. There's four matches, mm-hmm. and we wrestled before the Who came out and did their thing wow how big is that that's pretty big that's, you know? pretty, that's pretty big check that's... this one out i went to new guinea and was almost eaten by cannibals <laughs> twice
0: <laughs> okay i'd like to hear about that one
1: yeah uh larry o'day and terry priest uh were promoting for this uh okay I believe it had something to do. It was a governmental thing. We were taken to New Guinea, Papua, Port Moresby, New Guinea, Papua, New Guinea, uh, for a thing for Spear Cigarette Company. You now, Spear Cigarette is probably about as big, probably about six six inches long, probably as thick as your middle finger, and it's got our you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it's rolled in the australian daily newspaper recycled newspaper it still got the ink on the on the cigarettes oh wow okay. they were they were killing the aboriginals off they were killing the jungle the the tribes people off through the uh the lead poisoning in oh. the ink yeah because that, that that land is fertile that's where all the jurassic park movies were uh filmed at oh in okay. new guinea all right. You know, Australia is a big stinking desert. Yeah. So we were over there and they got all these cannibal tribes and everything. One of their things that they chew this nut or they eat this nut that grows on this tree over there. It gives you a cocaine high. So they uh, eat this beetle nut all day long. And then at night, everybody lives in Gilligan's hut, houses. They, You know, <laughs> one guy will come out from one little village over here with about 16 huts. And one guy come out of this village over here with about eleven huts, and they'll meet in the middle, and both of them got these very big long machete like grass knives, and they go to hacking each other away. Wow, I went to go smoke a cigarette outside the hotel one day. I' standing on the street and I lit my cigarette, and I'm sorry y'all I smoke. Uh, please don't do it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I said, anyway, so I light my cigarette, and here comes this dude walking down the street. Now, everybody's over there is probably about five foot Mm ten, you know, real short. Anyway, he's walking down the street. Okay, he's wearing a a loincloth like Tarzan, (laughs) got a great big grass knife on his hip, carrying a bow and arrows over his shoulders. He's carrying about a five foot long spear, big ass spear. He's got a feather headdress on. He's got his face painted red and yellow. He's got a bone, great big ass bone through his nose, through his nipples. Got vertebrae in his ears. Okay, he's what? He looks like a midget Kamala. Wow. So he's walking up to me, and I'm expecting, yeah, you know, something like that, right? Yeah. All right. He walks up right up to me and goes, pardon me, mate. cut above a smoke. <laughs> I was like, damn. I said, you talk better English than I do. So I gave him a cigarette and I lit it. And I'm watching him walk away. I turned back around and looked. And here comes a woman walking down the street. She's got a waist syrape, like a little wraparound skirt on. Mm-hmm. She's nursing a baby on one breast mm-hmm. and a pig oh, on the other. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That's good. Yeah. These people run up coconut trees, run right up a coconut tree, all the way to the top. Wow. Wow. You know, That's... they reminded me, they reminded me of Clyde from every which way. But Loose.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, well. the way their
1: bodies were. Yeah. yeah the, you know, but the they're yeah. the field. Yeah. They squat in the field, uh, behind each other, uh, and eat the bugs out of each other's hair. Oh. I've seen it. man. I ain't got to like say, oh, I'm not politically correct or this, that, or the other. I seen it,
0: you yeah. know?
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. They
1: only, yeah.
0: That's crazy.
1: Wow. But I was over there. So the first time I was signing autographs, mm-hmm. they bust in, the tribes, they tried bust in. I'd gone to go to the restroom. They picked me up over their heads and they're carrying me out of the sports complex over their heads. And when they got me to the front gate, that's when the Australian army got there and they're shooting people with rubber bullets. Yeah. These big, great, big old, big old Rottweilers, man. These are saddleback Rottweilers. They were huge. They were (laughs) clamping down these people, jungle people's heads and dragging them off. and so they were beating them with ball bats and clubs and stuff. Wow. Goodness. So that was the first time. Then they get me in the, in the transport. And the guy goes, Hey, mate, give a watch boogs boonies. Is a Bugs Bunny, yeah, he said. You know the one with the Ethiopian? I said, yeah. He said there was a big black pot in your future, and then he told me that what they were going to do was eat me. That way, my spirit would live through their body. I mean, through through them. Oh, I was like, whoa, uh, that's a, you know one of their religious beliefs.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: You don't mess with a man's religion, you know? Right. <laughs> wow. You know? Crazy. So then that was the first time and the second time me and Charlie Norris went right next door to the hotel, yeah. to the store to get a bottle of water in the three minutes we were in the store, 5,000 people showed up outside. Oh my goodness. Thousands. It was like, whoa, they were trying to get in the store to get to us. The army had to come get us.
0: Goodness gracious. Wow.
1: You've had a yeah, I interesting came back. Life. I got back in the states. I I got back to the states and I walked right into my dad's place and I said, "Dad, you're not booking me and Charlie anymore."
0: <laughs> that's uh, yeah. You've had a pretty uh, interesting life. I will say that. That's that's yeah
1: yeah. I've been paralyzed twice. I was paralyzed. I was, suffered partial paralysis. I was a wrestler, one man gang, and I don't know if gang did it because he throws these clubbing forearms and just kill you.
0: Yeah, you
1: know it's like a rabbit punch in the back of your head. Or Kevin Sullivan had hit me in the back of the head with a tire iron. Oh, that night. So it didn't hit me till the next day, and that's when all the swelling and everything stopped. And and I was out. Oh gosh, I was out for quite a few months. Wow! I was a, uh, this doctor in L.A. worked on me. Nine months of work on me got me back. Then I was in L.A. when the Northridge earthquake hit, mm-hmm. and I re-injured myself. Uh, and it took six months to get me back on my feet. Then and then I, I went to Atlanta to see my dad and I started training with Charlie Norris. Mm-hmm. I I had whipped his butt about four years earlier, and he, I guess he <laughs> wanted to get some get even. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway.
1: Uh, My career was over. I, uh, you know, retired, but we worked out hard every day for for two and a half, three hours at the power plant. And finally, after three months, he said, Sam, he said, you need to be back in there. I was like, dude, I've been hurt. My career is over. Yeah. And he said, no, you need to be back in there. Yeah, you know, and I'd already reached the pinnacle. I've done all the pay per views. I'd done mm-hmm. this. I worked for Vince. I, you know, worked for Turner. Worked for him. You know, I'd already been everywhere I wanted to go. Yeah. But I got back in there, and you know what? I went even further. I went. Uh, we went to Japan five times. New Guinea, Australia. We did a lot of great things together. We held a lot of titles all over the okay. uh, country for the PWA, and we did real well with the CWA in Dallas, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and we were able to touch a lot of people. You know, yeah. with me and Charlie, it all, wasn't always about going in and put your 20 minutes in, in, the ring, you know, yeah. it's about going and, 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 and talking to the people, Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. one of the best couple of I hadn't been in the ring. I got out of prison. I'd served a little time for a DWI. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I got out of prison. I hadn't been in the ring in seven years. I wrestled in Vegas at the CACs, man. That was an honor. Oh, dude. I yeah. blew it away too, man. Uh, Brian yeah. Blair, Paul Orndorff, they, they all were like, man, you were amazing. You're better now than you were 30 years ago. Wow. You, you know, you stole the show. But yeah. the the biggest compliment of all was I rolled out of the ring. When I rolled out of the ring, Chris Christopherson, the highway man. Yeah. Got right up in my face and he said, you're the real shit, man. <laughs> wow wow what a compliment yeah man you know this is like chris he's yeah. the highway that he, he wrote the best line, one-liner ever in country music i'll trade all my tomorrows for a single yesterday
0: yeah
1: you know? <laughs> yeah
0: yeah wow you know,
1: but yeah so but i mean who gets accolades like that yeah not, not know, too many so, yeah I, I I've been through hell. I you know I, I suffered. I was a bad alcoholic for many many years. But mm-hmm. damn it, I got all. I, I'm working on on 12 years sober now.
0: Well, good for you. Congratulations. That's wonderful. You know,
1: um, and I didn't do it with AA or anything else. I you know I did it because of my relationship with my Creator.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, and I I finally had to admit defeat. There's something I can't beat you know and it might only weigh 12 ounces or it might weigh a, you know yeah. whatever but I couldn't beat that bottle yeah I could drink it dry but I couldn't beat it yeah you know?
0: well, that's good for you I'm, I'm very happy for you I know a lot of fans out here will be very happy to know that so
1: yeah but you know, but I, you know in my the biggest thing I want everybody to know is you know keep your relationship if you don't have one get you one it don't yeah. cost nothing nope you know yeah and all it's gonna do is help you
0: yeah exactly You know.
1: yeah you've got to be open you got to be open uh you know open-minded yeah you know and that tells you that in the word Mm -hmm. you know he who he who rejects knowledge will also be rejected a lot of people don't think about things like that Mm -hmm. what's written in the word yeah you know
0: no you're right absolutely
1: you Absolutely. Know, it's like all these people, all, all these people think they know their creator. You don't know him. Mm-hmm. You re- unless you spend time in prayer and study, you don't know him.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know what somebody tells you on Sunday morning if you go to church. But yeah. I know a whole lot of people that go, Oh no, I like to get in the wilderness, and you know, that's where my God is. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, God's everywhere. Right. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm random. No, yeah, you're, you're
0: fine. No, you're good. uh i'd like to talk about your chemistry with some guys who did you in your mind when you were wrestling who did you have the best chemistry with as an opponent or as a tag team Uh, do you have anybody in particular that you worked really well with
1: well i mean okay i was i was so versatile i -hmm. you know um I had great. Okay. And a lot of people go, Oh, what was your best match? Well, I don't have one best match. I've got many great matches. You know, Kurt Henning wrote the, the Kurt Henning wrote in his memoirs, the, 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 uh, the third, uh, gosh, he wrote the three biggest best matches of his career were, Mm -hmm. uh, Bret Hart, Nick Bockwinkle and Sam Houston. And I thought it was an honor. Barry Darso came up to me at the CACs and he said, Sam, all of the greatest matches in my career were with you. Um, I know when me and Eddie Gilbert got together, oh, we could go, I mean, and, and had the people on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but see, I was blessed for being able to work with get so much of the top talent. Yeah. And had so many, you know, Black Bart was not a technical wrestler, but mm-hmm. we had matches that left people spent. They didn't yeah. yell for anybody else on the card. Baltimore. We got so much heat because we went out in Baltimore in the second match. We'd been there the the two weeks before or something in a Texas death match. huh In the semifinal. Then they bring in they 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 superload the card with everybody. Mm-hmm. They put me in Bart on second. Yeah. So I would go to Dusty. I said, you know, we were semi i said how do you follow that he said the best way you can baby oh well me and bart <laughs> went out there we beat up each other we beat up the whole state athletic commission we beat i mean those people were spent yeah when it was over the the commission came back they wanted they were going to stop the show and dusty told him no you go tell those people they are going to stop the show yeah, you know, but but every match, everybody that came, nobody got it. When when Flair came to the ring, it was like, oh, yay! yay. <laughs> that was it. Nobody else, yeah. Rock and Roll Express, I mean, nobody got any reaction at all. They were spent. Yeah, you know, but that was just one of the many times, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I had so many great matches with so many other people, you know. When I first uh, when when the floods hit in 2016. Mm -hmm. and i lost everything again i had my wrestling boots so i hit the road and i gone up to uh, minnesota Mm -hmm. and i worked with some of this this guy you know i had a nice match with him good Mm -hmm. good little match with him and everything Mm -hmm. and then two weeks later i was at another show and this old man walks up to me and this old man had been at that other show and he was a card there you know he's giving Mm -hmm. me all kinds of crap yeah. And he came up to me and he introduced himself. He goes, you know, that fella you wrestled uh, the other night. He said that that's my son. Oh. And he said, and he goes, I've got to come tell you this. He said, after the matches, we always go to the house and drink a few beers together. Yeah. He said two weeks ago, he said, we went to the house. We started having our beers. And he said, my son started crying. And I said, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with you, son? And he said, dad, I've been in this business 27 years. And that's the best match I've ever had. Oh, wow. You know, that, that's so a, that for, yeah. for me, that, 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 that's a feather in my cap. Yeah. That I'm so versatile and, and I can be able to be that style or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? And yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I, I'm just an easygoing guy, you know, mm-hmm. let me see what you got. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, oh, watch. You see my thumb? Bip. You know, I got
0: mine. Yeah. Uh, Big card events. Uh, You were in StarCade 85. Uh You were in the Royal Rumble, the first one. Uh Uh-huh. WrestleMania 4. What was that like for you? Were you. I, I know you were in a lot of big matches and you wrestled a lot of great talent and guys, but pay-per-views and those big cards were were just really coming about when you came into the business
1: yeah was that
0: how was that for you how how was your you know nervous were you excited were you both uh
1: what was your feelings okay first the very first arcade you know Mm -hmm. uh, i was i was up there and you know i had to pick up joe frazier at the airport i got to spend some time with him take him back to the hotel Mm -hmm. talk to him. that didn't go well for him that night uh Mm -hmm. he didn't know you know He was like why are they trying to bury me and i was like yeah you know yeah yeah. because i i'd seen it all before down in louisiana with the office and ollie and stuff anyway so uh uh i was sitting there and i got a walkie talkie and you know uh Oh, we were. Sitting, a matter of fact, I was talking about this last night uh, sitting there and Dusty had that purple robe on that uh, uh, Olivia Walker had made mm-hmm. for him in the whole nine yards and playing purple rain, you know, Prince
0: mm-hmm. and
1: everything. And I'm sitting here thinking you know, I'm a professional I'm supposed to be a professional wrestler and I'm sitting here in security with a walkie talkie. You know, so mm-hmm. then I made the decision right then and there that next time, they do these pay-per-views or these big shows like this i'm not going to be with a walkie-talkie i'm going to be out in there yeah you know and i and then, and, and if you remember the the, the, the the very next year at starcade who had the bump of the night or one yeah. of everybody, everybody oh everybody I landed on my head and they're like oh my mom thought i was dead baby <laughs> doll threw up you know when i landed on my head yeah, yeah. nobody was like but what a match it was yeah You know, and thank Dusty for it, you know? Yeah. But I've done so much, you know, and and I and I've enjoyed every step of the way. I've been through a lot of hell. Yeah, but I wouldn't trade nothing for the world because everything that I've been through Mm-hmm. is what makes me the man that i am today i'm going to tell you world titles don't mean a damn thing to me certificates of completion for this that or the other yeah that's 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 all nice and those are accomplishments and you hang those on the wall mm-hmm. or you let people look at them or something else mm-hmm. but that doesn't de- define the person that you are in your heart right you yeah. know, and yeah. that's that's who I want y'all to know. I don't want you to, you know, oh, he was a, you know, he won twenty two world title or twenty two regional title. I forget how many it is now. Right. But you know, it's the same way. I, I'm going to say it like this. You know, I've had like five or six world titles, but if you win a world title for Longview, Texas, and that's the only place that that the world title is ever wrestled for, then it's really not a world title, is it?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I understand. No, I, I mean, when I did my research on you, I mean, I remember you as a, as a kid, you know, I mean, uh, Starcade, uh, when you wrestled in WWF, uh, I always enjoyed your, 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 uh, your character, I enjoyed your wrestling.
1: Well, uh, see, here's the cool part about it. It wasn't a character. That's me.
0: Okay, well, you know, that's even that's better. See, I some worked. people have a character you know and yeah and, and, and they're they... so
1: yeah they're so often left field with right that you right. know because oh, oh i don't think that's right for your character well you know what your character can kiss ass because your character sucks your character is not going to make you no money because nobody you don't believe in your character right. and neither do these people
0: that's it you, right know? There. you so you, you hit the yeah, man on the head you
1: know you want to be something you want to be something first be a wrestler mm-hmm. first yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you know, I worked. I worked on a card uh, one time in Texas, and it had had nine guys walking in the dressing room with the uh baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire. And I was like, "What in the? Y'all the biggest bunch of girls I ever seen before? <laughs> you gotta if you gotta. The only way you can be tough with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, yeah. bar, you ain't tough. Yeah, exactly. you know I, I, you ever think Oli Anderson or anything like that you ever think they needed anything else? No.
0: No Oli. You know. he go up to then. Anderson and go
1: restaurants, You'll yep. show you. You know?
0: Yep. Oh, I.
1: Yeah, you know, it's all these people nowadays they don't believe in themselves they don't believe in themselves and they they look at it as william shakespeare if you're looking at it like william shakespeare get out of the business you know yeah. here's what the business is you know you got if you don't have a passion for it and if you mm-hmm. if okay say this is your passion and you want to be a wrestler
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you get out in the ring and everything and you don't give it your best shot mm-hmm. then then Dude, if you're not going to reach for that brass ring, then get out of the ring. Yeah. And don't waste my time.
0: Right. All oh, you know? 100%. 100%. I agree. I mean, there's some guys that I remember even growing up that they weren't you could tell they were just putting on the act for the character, but if they change it to actually what they actually believe in and are themselves, then it comes off of it, like yourself. Uh, when uh, Rocky, Rock, you know Dwayne Johnson, when he was Rocky Mavia, that Samoan guy, it didn't go over. But when he became well, who okay, he is,
1: so the reason that didn't go over is because it wasn't because anything to do. What that was the office's mistake because the the people yeah. they I don't know how they let the fans know, but they let the fans know they were going to shove Rocky. Johnson down there. I mean, uh, the rock down there, down their throat. Right. They, you know, so they, you know, he was supposed to. Be, so they, ought to, they turned on him. Right. And then that night down in Miami, when he cut loose and started trash talking, boom, mm-hmm. Vince said, "I like it. Let's go with it. yeah,
0: because that's him. You know, like yeah. you, like you, you're, you're your own person, and you did what." What you know and who you are—you you're you were real. You weren't putting on a show. I mean, no. you were putting on a show, but I mean, you weren't—you were, we were putting on a fake character. You're putting on yourself as that person because that's who you are. That's what I'm trying that's to get. At.
1: That's like when I when I uh, whenever I get in the ring, wrestling is real. Yeah. To me. Oh, you bet it is. So, so you better get your stuff together because mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I, I I live, breathe, you know, it's mm-hmm. real to me and I'm reaching the stars and giving it all I got. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to let those people go home not seeing what they came to see.
0: Exactly, 100% agree with you. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. I got a couple more questions. One is oh. uh, working uh, in the territories and stuff. Your mainstays were the NWA... And the WWF kind of a question is did you like one more than the other or did you feel that they, they were the same as far as working environments anything like that or
1: the working environment I think uh, everybody like probably NWA but okay uh, but the WWF you you it carried a different prestige mm mm-hmm. <laughs> But as far as the work and stuff like that, I preferred the SWA, their style a little bit better. And then finally we brought that up to work for Vince. you got so many guys came up there all at one time they brought that style with them.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, why didn't you ever uh, – did the AWA up in Minnesota, did they ever ask you to come up there and work? Because I've never seen you up there. I'm from Wisconsin originally, so I grew up there in the 80s. And... Well, no, I never went up to uh...
1: – Never went to Minnesota to work, but I worked for Dale Ganya in South Carolina. I won the AWA World Title from Jimmy Garvin one night. Okay. Uh, he was messing with my grandmother, and I, I get used to my grandmother about me winning the world title because of her. But yeah, me yeah, and Jimmy were messing around back and forth, and I went schoolboy Jimmy. He won the belt like the next week, but yeah, then I won the AWA Tag Team Titles. Okay. So uh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then I I wrestled up up in uh up with uh in around Minnesota, Wisconsin, that area with Mm -hmm. PWA. Okay. Eddie Sharkey stuff.
0: Yeah. All right. And do you watch any wrestling today? I know uh it's a lot different from the time you started to when you retired. Uh do you watch it all today? Is there You know, I was
1: gonna uh, uh, every once in a while I sit through about fifteen minutes of Vince's stuff, and then I got to turn it off. Mm -hmm. When AEW first came out, Mm -hmm. I watched it five weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. I saw what was going on with the tag team stuff. Nobody tags in and out; everybody just keeps jumping all in there. (laughs) So to me, that tells me that it's a circus show and it's not a legitimate sport. Yeah, you know, legitimacy is what this business is lacking. And until people get, and until people get, uh, adamant Mm -hmm. about, you know, you've got to give your referee the authority. Yeah. If the guys are running over the referee, then that referee needs to go ahead and call the damn match one time. Yeah. Well, the boys will realize that the referee's got the power, but the office has got to stand behind the referee.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you think do you, do you think that's lacking because there's not the territory system anymore where it's just you know, well few... everybody's
1: working today for a television production the next TV show the next TV show right. they're not they're they're not perfecting their craft in front of a live audience. Anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, I agree with. That's a good analogy. That's very good. Actually, I went to you
1: know, a. Here's here's the here's the funny thing, okay. You go to a bench, Vince McMahon show. Mm-hmm. These two stars are gonna have a match tonight, but they gotta have Michael P. S. Hayes or Ar- Arn Anderson or this one or that one go over there and show them how to go how to wrestle do their moves. Yeah. This yeah. guy's supposed to be wrestling, he don't know how to grab an arm bar. <laughs> you know, like what well, y'all take four hours of dress rehearsal? What the you know? <laughs> I'm thinking. Boy, this is the biggest stupidest thing i ever seen before in my life yeah get somebody that can wrestle and hold the people's attention
0: yeah
1: it's not you
0: know
1: yeah no i instead I, of trying instead of like picking and choosing find the one with talent and run with it yeah you know
0: yeah no i i agree with you it's it's changed a lot especially in the last 10 15 years um it's, it's more very scripted, more, uh, like you said, Shakespearean, I think, was your word. And uh, yeah. I got to agree with you on that. So, and one more thing. What are you doing now, sir? Tell us about what some of your projects you're working on, some things you're doing.
1: Okay, well, I'm, okay, I had a remodeling business down in uh, South Louisiana. And now, before the, since the COVID thing, I've been stuck in the Carolinas. Well, I'm not stuck here anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm off of parole I'm off of paper I've done all my time that I'm supposed to do I've done Mm -hmm. everything right everything legal I now I'm going to move here to the Carolinas um I'm in Monroe North Carolina right now about 20 miles outside of Charlotte it's a beautiful area Mm -hmm. Uh, opportunities are opening up because while I was here during all this stuff you know even though COVID this that or the other well I was helping out through churches, helping with uh, disabled people's homes and stuff like that. We were getting ready to do a home for a fella uh, to make his house handicapable, a small home, yeah. but open it up for his wheelchairs and stuff. I built a ramp the other day for a seventy-five-year-old mo- man and his ninety-five-year-old mom. Okay, uh, wow. actually built four ramps for him. Uh, but re- my remodeling business is uh, good. Actually going on a big job tomorrow for mm-hmm. that i'm wrestling still oh, good. um i'm i i'm writing my book uh, i'm writing a book on substance abuse okay uh we're, we're getting ready but the dark side of the ring will be out in april and may i believe it's a two-parter on my family okay um so there'll be things there i wanted to ask you what you thought about my song
0: i listened to it uh la- the other night when you asked me to, and I thought it was very good. It was very, uh, uh, it reflected very well. Uh, I really enjoyed it. The words, uh, I was telling my wife about it, actually, and and your your words and the song uh, really make you think. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was truly a a great, a great song. I, I truly enjoyed it. So for the fans out there, uh, if you go to YouTube and uh, type in Sam Houston Salvation, uh, the video will come up and, and listen to it. I mean, listen to the song, listen to the words, and it really, it's its really deep and really uh, reflecting,
1: and I, I did right. enjoy it. Thank you very much. Well, I've, I've been writing for a long time. I've never yeah. really done too much with it, uh, but, you know, this really grabbed me, and mm-hmm. I wanted to do something with it, so um, you know, uh, and what we're going to be doing is, uh, we're, we're going in, we're going to rerecord, okay. uh, because I've got a new production uh, manager, okay. we're going to rerecord, um, and then we're going to uh, do it, do something because, uh, a lot of these the people that I help, I mean, a lot of it comes out of my pocket. So I, I use mm-hmm. whatever money I make selling pictures or souvenirs or what have you to, mm-hmm. to help these people. Um, you know, and it's all things because I want to be there. I want to, I want to reach out and Mm -hmm. I want to be able to help people. The, the almighty did not give me the life he gave me Mm -hmm. for me not to do something with it. And what's the, the, what's the highest honor? What's the best thing I could do is to give My brothers and sisters out there Mm -hmm. some of the gift or some of the lessons or or some of the wisdom Mm -hmm. from everything i've learned
0: yeah
1: you know yeah um there's a there's a a a girl down in uh, south florida uh in orlando Mm -hmm. you know she's she had a severed spinal column um i i went to work for this uh this one fellow dave nelson oh really cruddy promoter Anyway, he lied to me about the deal and the uh, contract and this, that, and the other. He was just a, just a, he wasn't a great guy. I don't yeah. like to trash talk people. So right, no. right. Yeah. But if you ever, if, if, you, if you're ever approached by a fella by the name of Dave Nelson, run the other way.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll remember that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's messed over a bunch of the guys, but yeah. he takes pictures of, of himself with you. So people think we're, he's our friend uh, anyway. Uh, but while I was down there, I, I didn't hate it when I was down there in Florida because I was starving so much and everything. Mm-hmm. But I met some great people. I, I uh, went uh, started in a ministry class. I, I read in a room for my lady who had uh, uh, severed her spinal column eight years Mm -hmm. earlier. She tried rehab six years, Mm -hmm. found no benefit. She sat dormant in her chair for two years. Um, I moved in with her. I moved in with her. She started working out Mm -hmm. religiously. Within three months, she could put braces on her legs and her waist, and she could stand up and walk for two hours a day that's amazing
0: that's wonderful now
1: she's part of she's part of a thing called ann's angels mm-hmm. and they get out there behind get pulled behind speedboats on surfboards with okay. a ski rope and she ah. does all these this was a severed spinal column she's doing all these flippity doos and everything else
0: <laughs> that's you know? amazing her yeah.
1: boyfriend yeah her boyfriend come up to me and said who are you i said i'm Sam houston Oh, you know, who are you? She's a motivated, she's doing this and that. And the other one, she did the work. I just did the encouragement. The good Lord did the healing. Yeah. You know, she's still got a severed spinal column and she can't walk without the aid of the braces. But wow. it, you know what? Yeah. But somebody would have thought, oh, she's got a severed spinal column. She'll never be on her feet again. You know what yeah. she did? She beat the odds. Yep, exactly.
0: She you know, did. and that's
1: because she tried. That's mm-hmm. because she tried you know, and I hear stories like that. And I don't just hear the stories. I get to meet the people. Yeah. I know the people, you know, yeah. it's so cool. That's amazing. Brian. then I have enjoyed this so very much.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on and telling your, your story of your life. You've had a lot of great times. You've had some adversity and you've overcome it. And again, Sam, thank you so much for coming on here. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we hope to have you back on when your book comes out. We'd like to talk about that more.
1: Oh yeah, Maybe. we still got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we haven't so, really got into any good rips. Yeah.
0: We will. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely reach out to you again and, and invite you back on. But, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sam Houston, thank you again, sir, for coming on.
1: Thank you very much. Right. It was my pleasure and honor. And hey, I want to tell you, your listeners just one other thing. Okay, say your prayers, say your prayers tonight. You know, and if you yeah. don't know him, get to know him. You know, because you don't know, you're not promised tomorrow. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, and when you when you part from somebody, let them know. Don't part in anger. Let them know you love. Them. Okay. You know, because yeah. when's going to be that last time? We never know. You never know. Exactly. Again, all right, Mr. Sam all right, Houston. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>